evidence and answers. Muhammad believed that he was a prophet of God, and he is given the title of prophet by the Muslim world. Jews and Christians reject his claim after hearing his message. What are the credentials of a biblical prophet of God? Does Muhammad meet the criteria of a prophet? This is Evidence and Answers with your host, Dr. Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, scholar, and teacher in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, Pat will be examining the criteria of a biblical prophet and if Muhammad meets those standards. This message can also be heard on Pat's website, evidenceandanswers.org. Let's join Pat now as he presents this very important message. Well, as many of us are aware, one of the biggest threats to Western civilization is the religion of Islam. And with the 10-year commemoration of 9-11, we're all reminded of the threat of Islam and its expansion here to the West. The success of the Muslim Brotherhood in their stealth jihad strategy is seen here in Hawaii, for we're the only state that passed the bill to celebrate September 24th as Islam Day here in Hawaii. Now, there are nearly 1.4 billion Muslims in the world today, and it is one of the fastest growing religions in the world. And today, I want to examine the life of Islam's founder and claimed prophet, Muhammad. For the validity of Islam rests upon the founder, Muhammad. His role in the religion cannot be understated. Now, Muslims believe that Muhammad is the perfect example to follow in all aspects of life. The Quran states that in Muhammad, ye indeed have an apostle of God, a beautiful pattern, and an excellent model of conduct. That's chapter 33 of the Quran. The Quran also emphasizes that obedience to Muhammad's teachings is equivalent to obeying Allah, as evidenced in chapter 4 of the Quran, verse 80, which states, He who obeys the apostle obeys Allah. So obeying the teachings of Muhammad is equivalent to obeying God. The greatest Muslim theologian of all time, Al-Ghazali, who wrote in about 1000 AD, in his classical work, Revival of Religious Sciences, explained, Know that the key to happiness is to follow the Sunnah, Muhammad's actions, and to imitate the Messenger of God in all his coming and going, his movement and rest, in his way of eating, his attitude, his sleep, and his talk. God has said, What the Messenger has brought, accept it, and what he has prohibited, refrain from it. That means, Ghazali explains, that you have to sit while putting on trousers and to stand when winding your turban and to begin with the right foot when putting on shoes, for that is how Muhammad did. And so Muslims are called to follow the example of Muhammad even in these detailed part of their lives. That is why Muslims, many of them still dress the way they do as Muhammad did centuries ago. Muhammad is considered the final and the greatest of the prophets of God. Now, although Islam proclaims Muhammad is a prophet, Muhammad does not have the credentials of a prophet of God. Islam is therefore built on the false premise that Muhammad is a prophet of God, but he has no credentials of a biblical prophet. Now, here are the credentials of a biblical prophet of God. Number one, he must be confirmed by supernatural prophecies, prophecies that come true 100% of the time, Deuteronomy chapter 18. Second, 
he must be confirmed by miracles. And there's two types of miraculous confirmation. The first is prophecy, predicting future events which come to pass 100% of the time accurate. And second, miracles, miracles that go contrary to natural laws. And third, he must come with a message with the power of God and his message must be consistent with previous inspired revelation. For God is a God of truth. God does not contradict his word or his previous revelation. And so it's logical to assume a biblical prophet's message will be consistent with previously God-inspired message. Now, on these criteria and more, Muhammad fails to meet the qualifications of a prophet. Let me present several reasons why Muhammad cannot be considered a prophet of God. First, he claims to be a prophet, but he has no prophecies in the Quran. The Quran is considered the inspired book of Islam, the perfect book that has come down from heaven, free of any error. It is the direct copy of the perfect book which sits in heaven. Now, Muhammad is called a prophet, but he does not fulfill any prophecies made of him, and he does not make any supernatural inspired prophecies. Muslim apologists try to ascribe a few Old Testament passages as prophetic of Muhammad, but taken in their proper context, it cannot mean Muhammad at all. A popular one is Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 through 18, which states, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from amongst you, from your brothers. It is him you shall listen to. And later the passage states, I will raise up for them a prophet like you among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command. Now Muslim apologists say this is a prophecy predicting the coming of Muhammad. But take this in its proper context, this cannot mean Muhammad. First of all, the phrase states that this prophet shall arise from, quote, among your brothers. This refers to a fellow Jew, not an Arab. In passages like Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 15, God told the Jews to pick a king from amongst your brothers, not a foreigner. So this prophet refers to a Jew not a Gentile, not an Arab. And context reveals this is actually a messianic prophecy of Jesus Christ. Another popular passage used by Muslims is John 14, verse 16. Jesus says, And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper who will be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. In this passage, the counselor will be with you and dwell in you, and the counselor will be with you forever. This cannot refer to Muhammad. Muhammad is not eternal, nor will he dwell in believers eternally. This clearly refers to the coming of the Holy Spirit, not Muhammad. So there are no prophecies predicting the coming of Muhammad, and Muhammad made no prophecies, and the alleged prophecies in the Quran do not qualify as inspired prophecies. Muslim apologists seeking to show Muhammad made prophecies point to a few of the alleged supernatural prophecies in the Quran. The first one is that Muhammad predicted victories 
over his enemies in the Quran. For example, in chapter 3 verse 2 of the Quran, Muhammad stated, To those who reject the faith of Islam, soon will ye be vanquished and gathered together to hell, an evil bed indeed. He predicted Muslims would be victorious in battle against their enemies. Another chapter, chapter 14, verses 13 to 14, he stated, But their Lord inspired this message to them. Verily, we shall cause the wrongdoers to perish. Verily, we shall cause you to abide in the land and succeed them. So Muhammad predicted victory over his enemies, and many Muslim apologists point to this as supernatural prophecies predicting future events which came to pass. However, we cannot consider these prophecies, for there's really nothing supernatural about them. What commander of an army would not predict victory for his troops? I mean, what commander would go out there and say, hey, we're going to get slaughtered, we're going to get beat? Well, of course they're going to predict victory for their troops. But if Muhammad could know the future, then what about his defeats? Why were they not predicted? Like the Battle of Uhud, which he suffered a fatal defeat at the hands of the Meccan army. Well, the prophecy most cited is the predicted Roman victory over the Persians in chapter 30 of the Quran. In 615 AD, the Romans lost Jerusalem to the Persians. And the Quran stated in chapter 30 verse 2 that the Roman Empire has been defeated in a land close by, but they, after this defeat of theirs, will soon be victorious within a few years. One of the greatest Muslim scholars, Abdullah Yusuf Ali, the man who translated the Quran into English, states that a few years, which Muhammad predicted, means a short period of time ranging from three to nine years. Well, the Romans lost Jerusalem in 614, 615 AD, but the Romans recaptured Jerusalem in 625 AD, 10 to 11 years later. So not a few years, three to nine years, as Muhammad spoke. Second, this is not a miraculous victory, for one would have expected the Romans to bounce back and recapture their lost territory from the Persians. Now you compare this with biblical prophecy, for example, the messianic prophecies of Christ. Jesus has over a hundred prophecies which he fulfilled, and some of them are quite detailed. For example, Micah chapter 5 verse 2 predicted where he would be born. Isaiah 53 predicted the nature of his ministry, which would include miracles, his death, and his resurrection. In fact, in Isaiah 53, that chapter alone, there are nearly a dozen messianic prophecies which Christ fulfilled. In other words, if all we had was Isaiah 53, that's still a miraculous accomplishment by Christ. But we have over a hundred prophecies made of Christ before he ever set foot upon the earth. In Daniel chapter 9, Daniel 9 predicts the exact day of his crucifixion. Jesus also made several prophecies himself. In John 4, he predicted his own death and resurrection, and even more miraculous, he accomplished it. In Matthew 24, he predicted the fall of Jerusalem. In John 21, he predicted the martyrdom of Peter. So there are over a hundred prophecies made of Christ before he set foot upon the earth, which he fulfilled, and he made several prophecies himself, which have come to pass. Now, to qualify as a prophet, 
one must have a record of prophecy, and Muhammad has none. In contrast, Jesus has a miraculous record of prophecy. Second, the Bible and the Quran state that a prophet is confirmed by miracles. One may come in the nature of supernatural prophecy, the other in physical miracles. And on this, Muhammad fails as well, for he performs no supernatural miracles. Muhammad in the Quran states that miracles confirm a prophet. The Quran states this in several chapters, in chapter 23, in chapter 7, verses 106 to 119. In fact, it states that Moses did miracles, and in chapter 5 of the Quran, it affirms that Jesus did miracles. And indeed, miracles confirm a prophet of God. Well, when it comes to miracles, Muhammad does not perform any. The only miracle he has that he points to is the Quran, and that's it. Now, some Muslims point to the alleged miracle of mirage mentioned in chapter 17 of the Quran, where Muhammad is alleged to have journeyed into heaven on a donkey. However, even according to early Islamic tradition, Muhammad's wife reported that the apostle's body remained where it was in bed, but his spirit was taken up. So there is no evidence to confirm the authenticity of this event, and since it lacks any kind of historical confirmation, really it has no apologetic value. Muslim scholar and translator of the Quran, Abdullah Yusuf Ali, states that Muhammad did no miracles. Now, Muslims point to miracles appearing in the Hadith, and the Hadith is a book written about 200 years after Muhammad's death. It's a collection of his sayings and stories about his life. But we should consider these mythical in nature and many of the stories in there, even Islamic scholars consider legendary. Now the miracle stories also we may question because it runs contrary to the spirit of the Quran. In chapter 3 verses 181 to 184 where Muhammad is asked to do miracles to show that he is a prophet, Muhammad refused to do miracles when asked. And the vast majority of the stories in the Hadith are rejected as apocryphal even by Muslim scholars. Second, the stories in the Hadith are recorded one to two hundred years after the life of Muhammad, and historians have shown legends begin to appear two to three generations after the death of the eyewitnesses. A.N. Sherwin-White did one of the most detailed studies of this and showed it takes two to three generations for legends to begin to appear in a historical text. Why? Well, the eyewitnesses need to pass from the scene. The eyewitnesses who can verify the accounts as true or false need to pass from the scene. In contrast to Muhammad, who did no miracles, Jesus performs miracles over every realm of creation. Unlike Muhammad, these accounts in the Gospels are first-generation accounts and are not legendary in nature. We have good historical evidence that the Gospels are first-generation accounts written in the lifetime of the eyewitnesses. I do not have time to go in to a historical defense of the Gospels. You can read several articles I've written on the historical reliability of the Gospels. These are first-generation, many of them eyewitness accounts. Therefore, there are eyewitnesses both hostile to Christ and followers of Christ who can verify these accounts as true or false. If they were false and legendary and made up, the Gospels would not have lasted. 
Also, there's strong evidence for the greatest of Christ's miracles, his death and resurrection from the dead. No one has been able to refute the evidence for the resurrection. Now, what is interesting is that even the Quran claims that Christ did miracles. In chapter 5, verse 113, the Quran affirms the virgin birth of Christ in chapter 19 of the Quran and that Christ never died but was raised up to heaven in chapter 4 of the Quran. So even in the Quran, Jesus does greater things than Muhammad. So Muhammad does not qualify as a prophet for he has no prophecies which he fulfilled or which he made, and he performs no miracles. Third, Muhammad does not qualify as a prophet because his message clearly contradicts previously inspired scripture. Muhammad rejects and contradicts major teachings of God's revelation, the Bible. Muhammad rejected the Jews and the Christians. When Muhammad first began preaching, he was friendly to the Jews and Christians, hoping to convince them he was a prophet of God. Muhammad even challenged the Jews and Christians to look in their writings for confirmation of his teachings. In chapter 10 of the Quran, Muhammad stated that if you wanted to see if his message was true, that they should read their inspired works, the Bible. However, the Jews and Christians rejected his message and he became hostile towards them. He claims to have received a revelation denouncing the Christians and Jews for rejecting his message in chapter 5 of the Quran. In chapter 3 of the Quran, he calls the Jews and Christians perverted transgressors. Muhammad announced in chapter 5 that the Jews and Christians were an accursed people. And according to Bukhari, a man who collected and has the most reliable work of the Hadith. Muhammad's final moments were spent in the arms of his youngest wife, Aisha, and his final words were, May Allah curse the Jews and Christians, for they built the places of worship at the graves of the prophets. Another major doctrine that Muhammad rejects is the deity, the death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Muhammad clearly rejects that Jesus Christ is the divine Son of God. He states in chapter 19 of the Quran, They say, Allah, most gracious, has begotten a son. Indeed, you have put forth a thing most monstrous. At it, the skies are ready to burst, the earth to split asunder, and the mountains to fall down in utter ruin, that they should invoke a son for Allah, most gracious. For it is not consonant with the majesty of Allah, most gracious, that he should beget a son. The idea of God having a son was an abomination to Muhammad, and he clearly rejected the deity of Christ. In chapter 4 of the Quran, he rejects the death and resurrection of Jesus. It is not possible for God to contradict his own word, and yet Muhammad rejects these key doctrines of Christianity. He rejects the nature of Christ and the historical facts of the death and resurrection of Christ, and this should disqualify Muhammad as a prophet and the Quran as being inspired. In contrast, the Bible teaches that God has promised his covenant with the Jews will be fulfilled and that he will not forsake them. God has promised in Genesis 12, the Abrahamic covenant, that I will bless those who bless you and the land of Canaan, present-day Israel, God has promised that one day the Jewish people will dwell there in peace. 
God has promised in 2 Samuel 7 that a Davidic king, a descendant of King David, will rule an everlasting kingdom. In Jeremiah 31, God promises never to reject Israel. In chapter 31 of Jeremiah, verse 35, the Lord states, Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order of the moon and stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order departs from before me, declares the Lord, then shall the offspring of Israel cease from being a nation before me forever. So God states here in his word that he will not reject the Jews or the people of Israel. He states, as long as we have the moon and the sun and the stars, the people of Israel shall never cease to be a people before me. So God promises to be with the nation of Israel and to be faithful to his covenant. And so Muhammad rejecting the Jews and calling them a cursed people, someone whom God has rejected, clearly contradicts God's previous revelation. The deity of Christ is taught clearly in the Bible, in the Old and New Testament. John chapter 1 states, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Isaiah chapter 9, that famous passage that we often read at Christmas, it states, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The Old Testament predicted that the coming Messiah would be human, but also divine. And this was taught throughout the New Testament and is taught throughout the Old Testament. It is something that Muhammad clearly rejects as blasphemy. The death and resurrection of Christ is one of the best attested to ancient historical events. We have the New Testament and nearly a dozen non-Christian sources that affirm the death of Christ. Works such as Tacitus, a Roman historian, Josephus, a Jewish historian, the Jewish Talmud, Julius Africanus, and others affirm the death of Christ, and the Gospels and the New Testament affirm the resurrection of Christ. We must ask our Muslim friends on what historical basis did Muhammad reject the death and resurrection of Christ? On what historical basis did he do so? None. Only his own teachings. So Muhammad clearly contradicts previously inspired scripture. Fourth, the moral life of Muhammad disqualifies him from being considered an inspired prophet of God. Muslims claim that after his prophetic calling, Muhammad did not sin again. However, Muhammad is told to confess his sin in chapter 40 of the Quran and in chapter 48. He was ordered to seek forgiveness for his sins. And I think if you study the life of Muhammad, it'll be very difficult to defend the position that he did not sin after his prophetic calling. It is recorded that Muhammad slaughtered thousands in battle. Now, Muslims claim that these were defensive battles, but when you study the history, that's a hard statement to defend. When Muhammad began, he supported his growing army in Medina by raiding trade caravans. We can hardly consider these defensive battles. And then after he captured Mecca, he sent messengers throughout the Arab world saying, convert to Islam. 
or face the sword. And in the infamous raid of Kabar, he attacked an unarmed Jewish farming village. Ibn Ishaq, who wrote the earliest and most authoritative biography of Muhammad, writes this regarding the raid of Kabar. He says, We met the workers of Kabar coming out in the morning with their spades and baskets. This was hardly a defensive battle here. And Ibn Ishaq records that Muhammad killed 90 of the men of Kabar, and I'll talk more about what happened to the leader and his wife. Muhammad also murdered his critics. For example, a female poet named Marwan was infuriated by the murder of a particular man named Afak and wrote verses condemning Muhammad's men. Hearing of her criticism, Muhammad asked, who will rid me of Marwan's daughter? And one of his young men, Al-Khatami, volunteered and killed her and her unborn child that night. Now, Al-Khatami was worried that he had committed a sin, but Muhammad reassured him, saying, two goats won't butt their heads about her. Muslims today take seriously any criticism against Muhammad and often respond as he did to his critics with violence. Well, this concludes the first part of the message. But join Pat next week as he continues the study on examining Islam's prophet and Christianity's savior. If you missed any part of this message, log on at evidenceandanswers.org. And you can listen to this message and hundreds of other messages by Pat and his guests. And while you're there, check out Pat's new book, Unless I See, Is There Enough Evidence to Believe? In this book, Pat presents the compelling evidence for the Christian faith. This is a great book for every Christian who wants to be an effective witness for Christ in our culture today. Pat's ministry relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. If you've been blessed by Pat's teaching, please support him in prayer and with a financial gift by logging on at evidenceandanswers.org. Join Pat next week as he concludes this message. 